Well, welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. I'm your host. This is Michael Delaware. And today we're going to explore some music history from our corner of the state. Today I have a special guest, James Popenhagen from the Del Shannon Show. We're going to talk about a rock and roll slash country musician, singer, and songwriter, Charles Whedon Westover, who is better known by his stage name, Del Shannon, who was born in Grand Rapids, grew up in Coopersville, and spent some time in his early career here in Battle Creek. Welcome, James. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, Michael. Yeah. So, James, could you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your involvement with preserving Del Shannon's legacy? Yeah, I I knew Del well, and uh, before meeting uh, Del in my childhood, I was uh, I was you know had every dream that a kid did to be a fireman, or my dad drove cement truck, so even that for a while was my dream. And then mm-hmm. we were watching um, Eddie and the Cruisers, I believe. Uh, we first got a VCR back when they used to have those pop up tops. Yeah. You know, and it cost 1200 bucks for a cheap one, you know. So mm-hmm. we rented a bunch of movies, and Eddie and the Cruisers and Runaways in it. And when Runaway yeah. came on, my dad said, I know the guy that sings that song. He was, my dad was his guitar player. They were best friends. And we said, okay, dad, you know, like whatever. Yeah. Well, then uh, he said, no, that's Del Shannon. But my dad always called him Charlie Westover. Our family always oh. has. That's wow. what the people, his friends in Battle Creek called him. And he said, that's Charlie Westover. And so we, you know, my dad had never lied to me before, but, you know, it just seemed kind of bizarre because we were just blue collared working class family, you know, to, to know this right. huge star that's on this movie, you know. And then he came to town with Chubby Checker. And so we went to the show and Johnny mm-hmm. Tilton opened the show and he said, Del Shannon wants to know if there's any Popenhagens in the crowd come backstage. Then it solidified. Wow. Okay. Dad knows this guy and he wants <laughs> to see. It. Yeah. So. Wow. That, that kind of started that That's when I lost my truck driving dreams, I guess. Yeah. That must have been a special <laughs> experience as a kid, though, right? Yeah. Unbelievable. It, it really yeah. changed everything. I, I had never experienced anything like that. Yeah. I met Chubby Checker down in Atlanta during the Olympics in 96. Oh, and he was he's doing quite a guy. A I worked tour. with him two years ago. It, yeah. He's quite a guy. I'm, is he still doing well these days? Or? Yeah. He's still performing well. Chubby is a guy who is so perfected because he works about 300 dates a year on average he's always wow. on the road. and uh he's a road man of all time chubby uh he knows for his when he hits that stage you know his mm-hmm. wife's got a stopwatch and at least when i work with him and he does that hour and he knows exactly how to fill that that time you know i'm usually within five minutes i can fill however much they hire me to play but that yeah. that guy is right on time he's a pro wow he's really good yeah so tell, can we talk a little bit about uh, Del Shannon's early life, like how he became passionate about music to begin with? And Yeah. Well, he was raised in Coopersville, as you mentioned earlier. He only lived in Grand Rapids until mm. he was about six months old. So it was very okay. old. And then they moved to Grand Rapids, and his dad worked on the road crew uh, for the county. Mm. And, uh, you know, Grand Rapids at that time had no industry. It was all farmers. So right. kind of your choices when you moved out was either join a service or – going to farming and Dell hated manual labor. He just right. hated it. And, <laughs> uh, he loved Hank Williams and lefty Frizzell. And he was a country music lover. And, uh, mm-hmm. he started playing first ukulele and then he switched to guitar when he was 14. And he was like one of the 
two people in town that played guitar and they loved it until they graduated. And then they said, okay, bum, right. put down a guitar and go to work. And, and a lot of people in town made fun of Dale. He had a really hard time growing up in Coopersville because he had dreams and they uh -huh. thought he was just a daydreamer wasting his life, you know? And so they picked cool. on him really hard. He had a lot of harsh feelings about that town for a long time. Wow. And so that, that got him started. And then, uh, he went into the military and over in uh -huh. Germany, he was in a band there. I think it was called the Get Up and Go Show or something like that. He played guitar for them, and he just loved to play guitar. And when I say Dale Shan loved to play guitar, even before he got started, when you were sitting back with him 30 years in his career, whenever you talked to him, he was strumming. Even on electric guitar, no amp, uh -huh. he constantly played. He was writing. You could say a word, and he'd go, hang on a second, and he'd write down on a napkin for a song idea. He was always like that passionate, the most passionate musician I've ever uh -huh work with or known you know he was it's amazing like the guitar was an extension of himself you know <laughs> absolutely I mean, yeah yeah he was so that's that's kind of what got him started and then he went to work for brunswick over in kalamazoo and okay. uh he was routing trucks and my grandfather uh designed new product for brunswick and uh he worked in the model shop and they became friends and they were talking and of course guitars come up and my grandfather played a lot like chet atkins he was a really good guitar player and he mm -hmm. said, well, I got a band in Doug DeMont's band I play in, in Battle Creek, if you want to sit in. So Dell did. Eventually, they hired Dell at the Hilo Club, and he over he took it over from Doug. And right. uh, him and my grandpa stayed friends till the, till my grandpa died about 10 years before Dell's suicide also. Um, oh, but wow. they stayed friends right up to the end. So somewhere after his working at the Hilo Club, he got signed by some outfit in Detroit? Is that yeah. right? That I was reading? Yeah. Yeah. My grandfather quit the band uh, to start his own band. My grandpa was playing like the El Grotto and clubs like that, uh, mm -hmm. which was a pretty big deal back then, you know. Right, right. And uh, Dell needed another guitar player, and he hired Max Crook, who was a piano player, because the drummer said he's really good, and he's got this little box that he hides on the piano and makes incredible sounds. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's that great sound you hear on Runaway. That da -da 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 -da. That's, that's a handmade oh. organ called the music oh tribe. wow yeah and that's why you can only get that sound from that one in the world you know and same with hats off to larry it's the same instrument and <clears throat> max had a friend who was a disc jockey and the disc jockey ollie mclaughlin said uh i think i can get you a record contract with big top and he did and they went to new york recorded two slow songs and uh they went nowhere dell was uh -huh. depressed and then his manager said dell you need to write an up-tempo song and uh, it all got started at the Hilo Club. Max Crook hit an A minor and a G on the piano, which at that time was unheard of. Of course, I won't explain music theory, but it just, it was a lot of blue moon, those kind of songs all was out. To start yeah. on a minor was haunting. And uh, Dell said, what was that, Max? He said, A minor G. And Dell said, follow me. Live on the stage. And he wrote, the chorus for runaway wow. uh, playing a set and he'd say a minor g f and he'd walk the band through it and then he went to the carpet outlet the next day where he worked during the day on columbia which is now a pot shop <laughs> <laughs> uh and he wrote the words for runaway on that on a roll of carpet in between sales wow. and uh, he also wrote jody the same day as runaway the b-side and it came to the high low and they recorded a demo i still have the demo in my archives a runaway wow. recorded right there yeah so runaway was recorded at the high low club 
right where that sign is downtown. That's where the demo was recorded. Yeah, the one you hear in the yeah, radio the demo. was recorded in New York. Yeah, but yeah, that's where it was right. written right there where that sign is. Wow, that is something else. That's a piece of local history probably a lot of people don't know. You know, I yeah, lived in absolutely. Battle Creek a long time, and I drove by that marker, and I never checked it out until one day I went over to it. And I was like, wow, the whole base of the marker is a, is a record. Isn't that you cool? Know? Yeah, yeah, it's like the, one of the coolest markers out there, you know. So yeah, it's, it's really, really cool. great. My dad uh, was still driving a cement truck for Statler Ready Mix at the time, and he, he did that whole foundation, that thing. Yeah. Uh, so that what that sets on, my dad uh, put all that together, with, and Dick Slaughter designed it. You know, uh, kind of drew up the art and the yeah, concept behind it, but yeah, it was all so, written there. So, how did he come up with the stage name Del Shannon? Because his his real name is Westover. I mean, did it... yeah. Well, he he hated to be. There's so many Westovers. First off, it's like Smith right. or Jones or Johnson. Mm -hmm. And actually, bef before he had Del Shannon, he had Charlie Johnson. That was his stage name here in town. Right. <laughs> I, I was reading about that. That's interesting. And he switched the names you know and came up with del shannon and and i found out a friend of uh dell's and a friend of my grandfather's just passed away recently he told me that the reason del went by charlie johnson was he wasn't supposed to work when he was in the reserves and he didn't want to get caught uh, playing the high low during his his time on his weekends so he went under charlie johnson so they went figure that's how he came up with charlie johnson was just survival for uh, okay. the rules in the military and then he sat at the carpet outlet on Columbia Avenue, mm -hmm. his boss had a 59 Cadillac DeVille convertible and Dell loved that car. You know? right. And of course, you know, back then Cadillac was everything, mm -hmm. uh, especially for a poor kid from Coopersville. And uh, he looked on the dash and it had a plaque that said DeVille and he said, DeVille, DeVille, Dell. Mm -hmm. So he wrote down Dell and then there was a guy named Mark Shannon that, but that was that guy's stage name. He was a wrestler here in town. Okay. And so I like Shannon, but Mark sounds like a detective. That's what he always said. Yeah. So he kept Shannon and put the Dell from DeVille and come up with Dell Shannon. Had a good ring. It worked wow. well for him, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, obviously. So that his runaway was his first big success in like uh, 1961 after the recording. What what happened to him after that? I mean, because you guys knew him. Did it just change his Overnight. whole life? Yeah. Really? Yeah. It, wow. it really was one of those stories. It's so much that it was terrifying for him, you know, because. They recorded Runaway and released it in January of 61. And mm -hmm. he called his record label, Big Top, his managers, and said, well, how's Runaway doing? And they said, well, it's selling 80,000 copies a day. And Dell said, is that good? <laughs> he didn't know. <laughs> they said, that's incredible. And they said, and Dell said, does that mean I can quit this club? And they said, yeah, you can quit the club. You're opening up with Bobby Rydell and Dion next week at the Paramount in New York. And Wow. Uh, he literally, he told us once, he said, that first show I made more money per day than I did in a year working three jobs in Michigan. That's how radically it changed. Wow. Yeah, he didn't even come home for about six or seven months after Runaway. Once he went on the road, he was on the road for like seven months straight. Wow. Um, so it was well, overnight. Did, did, he, did he have any of his family with him during that time or just? Uh, well, he wasn't just, allowed to be married. Uh, his managers told him he can't be married, so he had to take his wedding ring off. They changed his, his age. He was 26. He had to say he was 21. Oh. And he couldn't have kids. He couldn't admit that he had three kids. Uh, <laughs> so he wasn't allowed. When his wife would occasionally go with him, she had to walk behind with the managers and stuff. She couldn't walk next to him. And if oh. somebody asked, it was his girlfriend. 
Wow. So it was a whole lifestyle change. I mean, I, I sat and had lunch with his, his uh, wife, Shirley, who's like a second mm-hmm. mother to me. We're really close. Yeah. And she was telling me, she said, his manager come back after they were on the road and Dell's now headlining and making all this big money. Mm-hmm. And Dell was still living in the trailer park on Avenue A. Uh, he hadn't moved or nothing. And his manager come back and said, you can't live here. You're a star. I mean, you wow. got to buy a house, you know. So wow. he bought a house in Detroit. Yeah, uh, wow. He just didn't know any better. You know, he didn't know how long it would last. Yeah, well, he's probably had a little sense to him about it. You know, the blue collar upbringing, you know. Yeah. You know? So so that's interesting that they, they had, I guess that was a publicity thing that they were trying to make it all appear like he's the young stud and get all the ladies screaming and they would be the the ticket buyers or whatever they were appealing to or yeah exactly they want him to be a teen idol they started printing posters and 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 they had a matter of fact i was just looking uh through some of the archives last night and they had this whole bio on dell and 90 percent of it is a lie you know i was reading his first bio that they had you know he Uh doesn't smoke he smokes cigarettes dell doesn't drink he did drink back then you know Uh he drinks milk what's your favorite drink milk i mean that's how ridiculous the business was back then. Wow, that is so fun. And that's like the inside story most people have never heard about what was going on with those stars back then. They probably did the same thing to all of his contemporary artists in that same time period, you know, because they were all trying to make them into, you know, teen idols. And that was yeah, the selling he, point. He said when he showed up to New York, I remember him saying that he had on a, a $50 suit that he had taken the $50 from his kid's piggy bank to buy. And it, he had red socks and a gray suit, and he thought he looked sharp. And Dion and Bobby V and Bobby Rydell were saying, "Why are you dressed like who is this guy?" And so <laughs> they had they took him across the street to a, a nice tailor and got him a nice suit uh, so that he could look like a teen idol. You know, they it was Dion and Bobby Rydell and Bobby V that helped Dell realize what a star really dressed like. I, it was so ridiculous that Dell said you couldn't sit down before a show. Once you put your shoes on, they made you stand. And wait your turn so that you didn't wrinkle your trousers. You know. Wow, that's how <laughs> that's, slick you had to be. You had to be like perfect. Yeah, <laughs> he, yeah. Talk about pressure. And Dell was unique in the fact that he wrote his own hits back then. That never happened, and so he really never got to enjoy the success because when he wasn't traveling, his managers were saying, "You got to write another hit. You're only as good as your last hit." So he was always writing and always right. trying to to get back to that number one status of Runaway. Now he did have some other chart toppers, but he never hit number one again. Is that right? Or not in America? Yeah, no. He, he went number two with Hats Off Larry. He, he almost got okay. there, and he was on on tour with uh, Bobby Lewis, I think his name was. Who did Tossing and Turning? Well, Tossing mm-hmm. and Turning and Hats Off to Larry were running neck and neck with a bullet on the charts, and him and Dell were making bets who was going to get to number one. Well, Tossing and Turning went to number one, and Hats Off to Larry went to number two, but. <laughs> Little Town Flirt went top 10. Uh, yeah. Uh, Keep Searching was top 10. And he had a lot of top 20 hits. Uh, Do You Want to Dance was top 20. The Handyman um, was another one that was in the one. top 20. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. sold a lot of records. People think, you know, if it didn't chart to top 10, they didn't sell. But there's a lot of gold records for those top 20 hits, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's just that was the big thing back in the day was radio. There wasn't all these other forms of entertainment and you and you even have but you couldn't self-program your own shows so it's not like it is today where you know you really got to have a super incredible 
hit to get all the downloads on iTunes or whatever. But this, it's like that was what was played on the radio, and that was it. You know, that's, that's all you had. And today, you know, I, I released a song uh, on my own label two years ago, and it it, it went to like one hundred and eighty thousand streams, which for an independent song is pretty good today because there's seven million artist on itunes i mean you're so much con- anybody can do it you can go in your bedroom i have a recording right. studio built on my property a separate building but people are going in their rooms and it doesn't matter quality doesn't matter nothing matters i mean there's some great stuff coming out of those rooms don't get me wrong but yeah, there's so much yeah. competition and so i thought great my royalty check's going to be incredible but they pay so little for those streams it's ridiculous but back then it was a big deal to get eighty thousand. Yeah. you know people yeah, buying that's... those 45s yeah, it was a bigger profit margin, probably yeah, back in the really day. Well. Lower cost. Yeah, that's. And did he he toured outside the U.S. then? He because you said he had some uh, hits over overseas in Europe and. Yeah, he was much bigger in like uh, England. He was massive, mm-hmm. and to this day, I went over and I did a tour in England in 2017. I took the show over there, and I would talk to a waiter that was 25 years old, and I'd mm-hmm. say, "Hey, hey, mate." You know, you ever heard of Del Shannon? Oh yeah, of course, mate. And he'd list ten songs over here. If you say, "You ever heard of Del Shannon?" They go, "No." Say, "Ever heard of Runaway?" Yeah, uh, I don't think so. And then you go, "Wah wah wah," and I go, "Oh yeah, okay, I guess I know that song." Yeah. You know, but he was huge. Uh, well, that's why the Beatles were his backing band when he was over there. You know, in '63, and they were huge over there. But Del was bigger. He had more hits. He had a lot of number one records in Australia and England. Yeah. Wow, so he was the headliner, and the Beatles were his his uh, backup band, or whatever they call it. Yeah, yeah that, they were that, opening act. You know, it's interesting because I think we do the same. We do the opposite over here. All the British stars during that period were, you know, the big toppers over here, and then you know, so it was probably just the the opposite effect over there. The American artists were the big people from far away, you know. Well, and if you listen to British rock and roll before the Beatles. They were, mm-hmm. all it was, was covers of American rock and roll artists. All their groups over there was covering American artists. So when an actual American come over, it was a big deal. And, uh, wow, that's you know, that's why Dell took From Me To You at the London Palladium he was playing. He was headlining. And mm-hmm. he heard the Beatles do From Me To You. It was their number one record at the time over there. And Dell said, John, to John Lennon, I'm going to take From Me To You because you stole my falsetto lick. In that song, and John said, "Oh, that'd be great, mate." Then uh-huh. John went and talked to Brian Epstein, and Brian Epstein didn't like it too much. So as John was walking on, up the stage, he turned to Dell and he said, "Don't do that." But Dell did it anyway, and actually, Dell's <laughs> version charted higher first than when the Beatles brought "For Me to You" over here. He had a big wow. hit with it here in America. Wow! He yeah. did the same thing with the Rolling Stones. I was reading, and he did a cover of one of their songs too, right? Yeah, and they really dug it. He did, uh, yeah. well, he did two, actually, but the one that did have, it didn't chart great, but it charted, like, you know, maybe number 60 or number 50, Under My Thumb. And Yeah. yeah. But he was working over that time. He was doing an album with Andrew Luke Oldham, was the Stones producer. Uh-huh. He wanted to do an album with Dell, and Dell was in England, and he would pop into the sessions where the Stones were recording their album. They'd come in and watch Dell record right. his stuff. And so that's kind of how that all gelled, where Dell loved under my thumb he thought it was a great record mm-hmm. yeah i was looking online last night trying to prepare for our interview today i saw that he did a uh, a david letterman show somewhere in the 80s yeah. late 80 83 i think it was or something like that and he was uh 
but he was just jamming and the whole audience was into it. You know, I mean, it's kind of, it's a recorded show, but still he looked like he was into his, in his element even then, you know, and he was, uh, he was on his second rebirth of his career because right before it was 1987, he did Letterman. And just before that 86 crime story was a big series on NBC and they mm-hmm. hired Dell to rewrite runaway for the theme song. Really? Just, just to put okay. it in perspective, when Dell recorded Crime Story, he was making $50,000 a week off the royalties for just a Crime Story version of Runaway. Wow. And that's 1986. And, it, and that played for like three years. That was a big show on NBC. So when he went to Letterman, he was riding on the coattails of uh, Crime Story. Everybody was hearing Runaway every Thursday night at 8 o'clock. You know? Right. So that would make sense why Letterman would have him on because it, it was on everybody's mind. That's... That's quite something. So his life ended tragically, as we know. What was, you want to talk a little bit about that? I'll talk a little, you know, for the sake of the family, I won't go into detail. But, uh, you know, there was also a lot of talk of him joining the Traveling Wilburys at the time of his death because Roy had died. And at the same time that Jeff Lynn was producing George Harrison Mm -hmm. and Tom Tom Petty with Holman Fever, and um, Roy Orbison with Cloud, not, or not Cloud Nine, uh, Mystery Girl. Dell mm-hmm. was being produced by Jeff Lynne and Tom Petty at the same time. They were all working in the same studio. They were all, George Harrison even played on one of Dell's last singles called Hot Love. Oh. And then Tom Petty and Dell and Jeff Lynne wrote Dell's very last single called Walk Away. So his career mm-hmm. was skyrocketing. I mean, he was making. On a good night, Dell was making fifteen, twenty thousand dollars a show, and for an artist from the '60s, most of them were making like a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars mm-hmm. a night. He was always the headliner. Uh, wow! His whole career, he was always a headliner because he wrote his own songs and he had so many charting hits. But at the same time, he went through a divorce in '84. His wife of thirty-three years, okay, uh, just couldn't live the lifestyle anymore. Her kids had all grown up. She was alone in that big house out in Los Angeles, and he was working the road. 200 days a year and she wow. wanted to be around him more and he wanted to work another five years and they just come to terms that it wasn't going to work anymore so she left and they their divorce was settled for $60 that's how well they got along and wow. uh, they just got in a room and, and wrote up their terms and uh, all she asked, asked for alimony was like $1,000 a month you know, mm-hmm. that's, she loved him, but she just couldn't live that life. you never seen him. You didn't have a husband. And his kids oh. would tell you, you know, they hardly had a father because he was on oh. the road or in the studio all the time. Or when he was home, he was in his office writing. And he had that mm-hmm. intense pressure, you know. And then he remarried mm-hmm. a much younger woman. And I won't get into all that. Um, but I think there's something happens when you're married to someone 33 years and you started with them mm-hmm. and you were poor with them. And all, and right. all that. He just never got over that. His his uh, marriage with Shirley. They were still friends, you know. Wow. And so I don't think he ever got over that hurt. Uh, you know, just before he passed, Juice Newton, who was a country star. I don't know if you ever heard of mm-hmm. her. She had a big hit with Just Call Me Angel of the Morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she, she was she big in the 80s. Yeah. Huge. And she took uh, a song Dell wrote called Cheap Love to number five on the country charts just before he passed. So it wasn't a money thing. It wasn't a success. He was more successful than he had been since Runaway hit. He was definitely making more money, but he had a lot of pressure. He had a lot of houses, and uh, 
you know, he was buying real estate quite a bit and he just wasn't happy. The last time we saw mm-hmm. him, uh, we had seen him three months before and Dell was kind of a stocky guy. He was only, uh, they always lied about his height, but uh, he was really about five, five. They would always put five, seven, right. you know, or five, eight. Right. Right. He had stocky shoulders and he was a, a bigger guy, you know, great shape. He's a jogger every day. He ate health food all the time. He'd drive you nuts. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I should say real quick, he had gotten sober from alcohol in 78 mm-hmm. and he was sober right up till the day he died. He never relapsed. And that was, that okay. was important to him. So it wasn't a relapse or anything like that. He just was sad. And the last time we saw him, he said, uh, I'm tired. He looked awful. He lost a lot of weight. His, his mm-hmm. cheeks were sunken in and he had started taking mm-hmm. antidepressant and was seeing the psychiatrist quite a bit. And, um, uh, he said, I, uh, my dad said, what's going on? And he said, well, I'm tired. I, I just don't want to work anymore. And he didn't have to. Dad said, well, quit. Mm-hmm. He said, he said, no, I got a, a lot of obligations. And he said, I just signed on for a tour for seven weeks in England next month. Mm-hmm. And he really didn't want to go. The day he died, he had just signed that tour to go to England for seven weeks. And he was dreading yeah. it. He just wow. wanted out, you know. That was his only way out, I think he thought. Wow, that's too bad. Such a yeah. legacy. So let's talk a little bit about his legacy. You know, um, there's an annual car show I came across that he has in Cooperville. Obviously, that's one of the things. But there's a lot more going on with that with your organization. You want to talk a little bit about that? How? Sure. Um, I, I tour with the Del Shannon show because the family asked me to take his show back under because I know how he did it. I watched mm-hmm. him several times. You know, I've probably okay. seen seventy times of Dell on stage. You know, mm-hmm. you, you learn everything. So is it and, kind of like a tribute band that you guys uh, play his songs or, or just play yeah, in his style? It's it's his songs in his lifestyle. His, his stage show okay. is much different than the records. You know, he okay. never really liked those early hits, how they sounded, because they sped his voice up to make him sound younger. And it didn't sound like him. He hated that. Wow. Oh. Yeah. Wow. So uh, so we do it true to Dell style. Matter of fact, I'm doing a show in Iowa and I'm using one of Dell's old guitar players is, is playing on a show with me. And, uh, yeah. when I play with him, he said, it's uncanny. He said, it's just like playing with Dell again. And his wife and, uh, his manager of 30 years come up to me when I did a show about 10 years ago for anniversary of runaway. And he said, why aren't you doing this? What are you doing? I was a studio musician, you know, mm-hmm. and he said, you should get out there and do this. He said, you got it. He said, it was like watching Dell on stage again. And I put it off and I put it off. And then his son said he would manage me and help take care of the legal side of everything, you know, cause that's a drag booking your own shows and hotel rooms and flights. If you oh, gotta yeah. do that yeah. and perform, you know, mm-hmm. I don't work near as much as Dell. I mean, 20 shows a year is, is pretty good for me. That, mm-hmm. That's about enough. Cause I'm a big family guy. I saw what it did to Dell. I don't want to live that life. You know, right, I enjoy right. playing, but to a limited thing. But we have that. The car show in, in Coopersville is no longer affiliated with Dell Shannon. Um, that changed in 2018. But we are bringing Dell to the museum in Battle Creek. We're right. opening an exhibit there. You know, we're I, I'm working uh, on the family's um, not just blessing. They was just asked if I would take care of it because they led Shirley. His wife lives in Vegas. His son lives in Pennsylvania. It'd be very difficult. Yep. His daughter's out in California and. It would be hard for them to kind of watch over everything. So um, and that's what, the Battle Creek Regional Museum? Is that what it's called? Yeah, Battle Creek Regional History Museum. Yeah, one of the – a couple of exhibits are going to have some uh, Del Shannon influence because we've got 
a music room we're planning where people can go in and put on headphones and it's going to be ideally we're going to set it up like a recording studio but oh nobody have, told me about that I've yeah heard it's, it's still else, in the works yeah great yeah, it's still in a, that was just kind of something we sorted out the last few weeks of some of the exhibits that we're looking at so we're hoping to be able to make that happen um we also want to do like a photo or a selfie room set it up maybe have a photographer there and have portraits of like del shannon and um you know a few of the other local hero celebrities but del shannon is one of them because we could do air guitar you know air guitar with del in the background and that sort of thing have some fun and really you know get some promotion for the museum and also the del shannon legacy you know well and, his son and, always says uh charles westover was born in grand rapids but del shannon yeah. was born in battle creek uh, yeah. so it's like a homecoming and by the way june 18th uh a lot of the westovers are going to be there for a meet and greet at the museum and I don't okay, know exactly great. what the time is now. They're going to do that. They're going to do a press release, and they'll decide all that. But his wife uh, of thirty-three years is going to be there. His son, my manager, is going to be there. I think one of his granddaughters and several cousins and stuff are coming of Dell's, and, yeah. and my family, I'm sure, will be there. I'm going to be there. Uh, Brian Young, who runs DellShannon.com, and he does all the biography stuff. I mean, he knows where Dell bought his socks. You know, he's he's one of those guys that just knows it. I don't know that stuff. Yeah. I knew him as a man, you know, he knows mm -hmm. everything. He knows every studio date. It's incredible. So he's going to be there to kind of yeah. do a little history presentation Great. and kind of talk about Dell. I'm going to do a couple songs from guitar. Um, and then we're going to have a, just a meet and greet with the family. You know, they, they have nothing to do with the showbiz side, by the way, even though his oh, son okay. manages me, he, he does not do public speaking. You know, he, he's okay. just, he just always says, that was my dad. Oh, yeah. What was it like being the son of Del Shannon? That was my dad. Although he has incredible stories of playing Pong with Jeff Lynn at the height mm -hmm. of the ELO before anybody had Pong and uh, fishing in, in Jeff Lynn's moat and, uh, you know, driving to Tom Petty's house when Tom was producing Del. And, you know, but still, <laughs> to yeah. him, it's just dad. Yeah, it's just dad. Oh, of course. But that's yeah. how it is um, with my son. I've worked, and I know a lot of celebrities. Yeah. My last single I did with Brian Hyland, who did Itsy Bitsy Teeny Weeny you know, and seal with a kiss. Right. I did a song that he wrote with Dell and he appeared in a music video, Brian Highland. He's a good friend of mine. And to my son, it's like, Oh, that's my dad's friend, Brian. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't mean anything to him that he had, a, you know, several hits of his own. Right. Right. So, so we're going to do that. There's a documentary being done right now. They just filmed an interview with Paul McCartney last week. Um, wow. Okay. Cause yeah, knew so that's a big deal. Wow. So yeah. that's going to be one. Is that going to air like, on one of the major networks or yeah it, well it'll probably be like netflix hulu you know the, okay. the streaming services because that's kind of where the mm -hmm. best way to do it is now um there's a screenplay written by a friend of mine named gary gerner who's that's been picked up uh has a director and they're working on that that would be a feature mm -hmm. film a movie on dell's okay. life story and then of course what i do you know out working the show and i also have a lot of thousands of archives with Dells of songs never released and stuff. And because I have a recording studio, I, I've remastered a lot of that stuff. Wow. So you get to mix in, of... yeah, you get to mix in some of his hits and also maybe some of his unknown songs that he wrote that uh, could get yeah. the audience of, of today's generation excited about his music again. That's great. Yeah. Cause he's got so, over 200 songs copyrighted. I mean, he wasn't a one hit yeah. wonder by any means. And he wrote a lot right. of, he wrote, I go to pieces for Peter and Gordon. That went to number three on the charts. And that wow. was their signature song. Yeah, know. that was. Um, so you have? Do you have like a tour set up this year for the Del Shannon show? 
You know, we yeah, had a tour before COVID hit and everything okay. fell apart. We kept postponing and then they started canceling. We, we lost 20 dates because of COVID. Oh, so wow. right now I'm just kind of putting my foot in. It's the first time I've been out in two and a half years. So I'm going to Riverside Casino okay. on May 29th. And okay. I'm actually doing two shows. One of all the artists I've worked with besides Dell uh, from the Grand Prix. Because I play boogie woogie mm -hmm. type piano also besides guitar. Okay. And so I'm going to do a tribute to those guys. And then a whole separate, the next show at 11 p.m. will be all Dell Shannon. It'll be a Dell Shannon show. Okay. And we'll just see how it goes. Because, man, I'm a little rusty. I Listen, I, I was walking. I have 25 acres I live on. And I was walking uh -huh. my dog in kind of singing and i thought wow it's been three years since i did you know the why 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 it sounded a little <laughs> bit like why why <clears throat> what why yeah. why you know so yeah. i, I kind of had to kind of get the rust off a bit that's yeah, what we're doing a little, this yeah a little oil on the gears and get it going again huh yeah, yeah but we got uh, new suits i got a, i got a great band behind me richie lee is backing me and kevin king and it's a great uh -huh. great group and he's a two-time hall of famer kevin king uh my uh -huh. guitar player there and he worked with Dell. So it's going to be great in Iowa. It's just a little scary. I almost considered retiring because I had the studio. I make a you know good living working mm -hmm. out of my studio. And I also do commercials. You know, if somebody wants music, background music for commercials and things like that. So I do oh, well good. with that. I don't have to mm -hmm. go out and do the Dell Shannon show, but I missed it. I found out I missed it. You know, yeah. like everybody during COVID, you found out how much you missed things you took for granted. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. Yep, and now we're kind of coming past that. So hopefully, a lot of these uh, shows will start coming back around again. That's um, so it's been quite interesting. Is there anything else you want to talk about about Del Shannon, or maybe even your own career here while we're while we have some time here on the podcast? Yeah, if you go to any, there's like eighteen hundred music platforms. I have a, a record label called Jackie Music, and I also have a publishing company, which is my wife. Okay. And my name's combined together, you know, because because I also own some songs that were hits that I bought the okay. catalog. So okay. publishing is a, another part of what I do. Um, but if you go to Apple Music, you know, iTunes, whatever, Spotify, mm -hmm. just look James Popenhagen, you'll see the singles. My last single was You and Me, it's called, and that features Brian Hyland. Also, the Everly brother, Don Everly, son, Eden Everly. Uh, sang the harmonies. Wow. He sounds just like his uncle. I mean, he hits that Everly. It's it's a beautiful song, uh, wow. and Brian Hyland played guitar on it uh, and mm -hmm. sang vocal, backing vocals with me. And uh, a lot of Bobby V's grandson played drums. You mm -hmm. know, the night has a thousand eyes. Bobby V. So I called on a lot of my friends in the business and said, "Hey, you want to do a song with me?" And everybody shoot a video. So if you go on YouTube, you can see mm -hmm. you and me the music video, and you'll see all those cats in it. Um, <laughs> cool. I would just say. I, I really hope that what comes out of this new, you know, uh, the show Dexter, you ever heard of that show? Yeah, I have. Yep. They licensed Runaway. They did a reboot and it was played through the whole season on, wow. on like over 10 episodes. And it has boosted Runaway way back up in popularity. Wow. So as Dell's kind of having a resurgence with this documentary and my show mm -hmm. and everything, I hope that people really take time to look past Runaway mm -hmm. and, and just the basic hits and see, you know, the fact that Tom Petty produced him and the Heartbreakers backed him. And Jeff Lynn mm -hmm. said in the documentary he was a bigger fan of Del Shannon's than he was of Robson and the Beatles. I mean, Del influenced. I mean, he discovered Bob Seger at a bowling alley in Detroit and helped get his career started in uh, 1963. Wow. So, uh, so there's Del, a lot Del more to Del. Yeah, Del actually found, discovered Bob Seger, huh? Yeah, absolutely. His wife 
while Shirley, who will be at the museum, mm-hmm. she had joined a bowling league because Dal was on the roads. He was he worked that first year three hundred days. To put it in perspective out of the year. Wow. So she's to not go crazy with three little babies and a husband that's now a star. She joined joined a bowling league. At, I think it was called Spring Lake Lanes or something. And uh, it's still there, by the way. Same name and everything. <laughs> and Bob wow. Seger would play there. So Dell come in out the road to watch Shirley play with her bowling league. And he heard this mm-hmm. band and he walked over and introduced himself to, to Bob Seeger, who was like 16. And Dell said, well, come back to my house. And they wrote three or four songs together. And Dell tried to get him a hit. Uh, oh. And nothing come of it as far as the songs. They were. I still had the acetates of those songs. But, you know, mm-hmm. he was always well, helping, helping other artists, including my family. Great. He was helping us yeah. get in music business when he passed. That's amazing. That is quite amazing. He yeah. sounds like uh, somebody wish we still had around here, and um, his certainly his legacy being showcased at the museum is an exciting thing for Battle Creek to have, and I know they're really excited about having it. Um, it is, and I miss him. And if anybody knew him yeah. as a man, anybody that knew him, he just missed the guy. He was good. You know, he was real active in AA. There was yeah. a lot of people after he died told a lot of stories of people who couldn't pay their house payments and there would be mysteriously $2,000 cash in their front seat when they left a meeting. Uh, One woman said she couldn't get groceries for her kids and she came out the door and her front yard was full of groceries. Another woman had a check on her wiper blade, but they never knew who, you know, he was just Charles West over there. Wow. Okay. He would never take credit, but they knew who it was, you know, he had, so he was just a good human being too. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's that's fabulous. I'm so happy you were able to come on the show today because it's uh, it's such a big part of the history here that you know most people don't know about in Battle Creek, and we want to make sure that the music legacy that he had right here in Battle Creek gets you know conveyed and and remembered. And I know that's a big part of the plan. So the the history museum is to to showcase his work and uh, other artists that came out of our city and in the region. And he's uh, yeah. certainly one of the top. <laughs> the top performers that came out and that's uh it's great that yeah. the tribute band is still there you know yeah you guys it's, are doing it's, the- it's great to play with a lot of the same people that play with you i use a lot of his bands that are still going too it's mm-hmm. wonderful and i love what the museum's doing you know at first they just wanted to do three months with them and i said look you got a chance yeah. to have a rock star who by the way is about to blow up again when this documentary comes out in this movie you don't right. want to put them in for just three months because people are going to come year round. When it was in Coopersville, a lot of this stuff that's here mm-hmm. was in a museum in Coopersville. People came from every country throughout the year right. to see it. And they never changed the display. It was always the same. But the Dell right. Shannon display was there, you know. And I, so I told him, I said, we mm-hmm. got to make a spot where he's permanently there because you're going to be able to draw post cereals and all that stuff. Battle Creek has a lot of history, but that's selective. Rock and roll is huge. Mm-hmm. So use what you got, you mm-hmm. know. Keep it going. Yeah, get give give yeah, that ab- place for people to come see. He's definitely going to be a big feature in the museum. I mean, I, mean, I sit around the board, so I'm going to make sure that that happens. But yeah, um, I appreciate that. Okay, well, thanks for coming on today, James. It's been fun just talking about Dell Shannon and his history, and you gave me me and the audience a tremendous amount of back knowledge and insight into the man that I don't think anybody's ever heard. And uh, yeah. it's quite a, a amazing dude. I wish we had. Um, had more of him out there in the industry helping other young people get up there. And uh, he certainly had quite a legacy that he left behind. 
So he sure did. And it's still going. And so I appreciate the platform here, Michael. I do any yeah, interview absolutely. I can to talk about Dale. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for coming on. And that's going to do it for today's show, folks, on uh, Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. If you like today's episode, be sure to leave a review in the comment section on whatever app that you are using. It certainly helps boost the popularity of the show. And I'm going to put the links that uh, James mentioned here um, about the Dell Shannon and some of the shows and whatever links that he wants to send me. We'll put it down in the description so that you guys can check it out. And certainly I'll put the link to the Battle Creek Regional History Museum so you can come and see that exhibit and the presentation on June 18th that he mentioned. So until next time, when we take another tour down into history, thanks for listening. <music>